Hello, Courier Nation. Welcome to the Deliver on Your Business podcast, where you are the boss. Each week, we talk about how to make the most of your business as an independent contractor, as a courier delivering for gig economy apps like Grubhub, DoorDash, Postmates, Uber Eats, and so many others. Well, hey, Courier Nation, welcome back one more week for the Deliver on Your Business podcast. It is good to be back. It is good to have you back. I'm looking forward to another week here on the podcast. So this week, uh, football season just started, and I'm curious how things went for you. Uh, it did uh, make things a little bit busier here in the Denver market. I thought it would be a little busier Monday night because they had a Monday night game. You know, and now that you got, uh, I think, more people having to watch the game from home, they can't go to the games. Uh, most, most of the places, you know, you, you don't have any crowd at all. And so they can't go to the games and they can't go to the bars and restaurants as much because everybody's kind of at limited capacity if they're open at all. So they're watching from home. And so I did find that Sunday was really good. A lot of people ordering in for, uh, I'm assuming, watching football on Sunday or whatever else they're doing. And Monday night was not too bad until it was like about 8 o'clock, you know, 15, 20 minutes after the game started. And all of a sudden it got very slow. And that's unusual for uh, my area usually during a Broncos game. They're usually pretty good through most of the game. But anyway, it'll be curious to see what that's like going forward. We're going to dive into today's topic here. We're going to talk about contract violations, about people getting emails about fraudulent activity, about being deactivated by, uh, you know, all of these companies, DoorDash, Grubhub, Uber Eats, all seem to be kind of cracking down on a lot of things here. What's going on with all this? What is up with all this activation talk lately? Uh, especially if you are in the um, Facebook groups or uh, Reddit or any of those places that uh, all of a sudden you just see a whole lot of people that get these, uh, you know, posts that, hey, I just got deactivated. And and it's just been, it, it seems like it goes in waves and we're in the middle of another one of these waves. And there's a few things that are just a little different than times in the past. So what's going on here? What's happening? We'll get into a little bit of why that's happening. We'll talk about, you know, are they crossing the line when they're doing this? Uh, we can talk about what you can do to avoid being deactivated and maybe talk a little bit about what you can do when you're deactivated. And there's a couple of things I can offer some advice. And there's some things that I'm wondering what you could do, but uh, we'll get into that. So why is this happening? Honestly, I don't know. I'm, I'm not real sure what's going on, but I do have a theory. I do have an idea. You know, here's the thing is it's, you know, you look back to when um, most of the country had shut down and about the only thing you could do was order food in, you know, and the delivery companies were all just popping. They were blowing up with business left and right, and they had to hire a lot of people. They had to bring in a lot of contractors to get these deliveries done. And they had to add just a crazy number of people. And, and you know, I talk about what I see on the uh, Facebook pages and things like that. And all of a sudden, you've got all these people that are totally unfamiliar with what it was like before the pandemic. And they freak out when they see that uh, Grubhub offered less than $9. You know, it's kind of like, guys, you should have been around when it was $3, okay? So you got all these new people. And I don't know if you can tell it, but I can certainly tell it. Delivery is starting to slow down. Things are starting to slow down with all of these delivery companies. And all of a sudden, it's not as crazy a demand as there used to be. Things are still good, I think, compared to what they used to be, but it's not quite like what it was. 
And I don't know how much that's, you know, that uh, things are opening up a little bit more. You know, people are starting to do a little bit more. They're starting to get out more. Some of the restaurants have opened up, at least here in Denver they have. And they still have a lot of very, very limited seating, but I'm seeing people getting out now like they were not before. I'm seeing traffic like I never saw before, at least since the, the pandemic started. And so people are getting out. But here's the other thing. I'm wondering how much is it just that people are running out of money? You know, you had a lot of people that are on unemployment and yet we're still got all these orders going. Well, why? Part of it is because they're getting this extra $600 a week in unemployment that the federal government was giving as part of the CARES Act. Well, when that money ran out at the end of July, you know, there's there's not been a replacement for that. And I'm not sure there ever will be a re- replacement there. And so all of a sudden people don't have as much money to spend on delivery and and I think what happens is all of a sudden you've got too many drivers, you know, you've got a lot more couriers out there than what you've got orders available and having that extra glut of carriers, I think, especially on DoorDash and Grubhub where everything is kind of scheduled and all that stuff or it relies on logging in, that can just be a problem. And so the, that's kind of the long roundabout way to get to my theory that I kind of wonder if it's just a matter of them trying to thin the herd. And God only knows whatever reason they decide that it makes more sense to thin the herd by deactivating people than finding some other manner and just saying to some people, hey, we've got too many drivers right now and we're just, you know, randomly picking people to stop doing the deliveries. And maybe it's because they don't want to face the backlash if they do something like that. And they don't want to face the backlash that comes when people are fed up because, the market's saturated with drivers or something like that. So they got to thin the herd some way or another, and they decide to do this. If they're doing it, I think it's stupid. And the reason I say it's stupid is winter's coming. Who knows what's going to happen with whatever with the pandemic, but winter's coming and things get busier. And if all of a sudden you got a lot of people that are never eligible to come back and drive again, you don't, to me, that was kind of stupid. You you kind of you kind of burn some bridges when you do the deactivation thing, and so I don't know how much that's part of it. How much of it is that there's just a crackdown on behavior? Because here's the deal: is is uh, delivery companies just continue to struggle with getting their orders fulfilled? It's still an issue. It's still a challenge getting it all taken care of. And now that you got things slowing down. I think the other thing that's happening is you got a little bit more multi-apping going on. People taking deliveries from more than one place. And a lot of them are not doing it very well. They don't give a crap whether or not taking a delivery from Grubhub is going to really slow down that Uber Eats delivery. They'll get the food there when they want to get it there. And food is getting to the customers late and they're cracking down. Now, are they cracking down on multi-apping? Maybe. And I'm going to tell you this, as an avid multi-apper, maybe they need to. I know that goes against what a lot of people think, but like I said, when, when I see all the really, really late deliveries because of the way some people do it, they probably need to. So here's another question is, are these companies crossing the line by doing all these deactivations? Are they, are, are they going overboard? Are they doing something wrong? And I think it's a number of things. And, and some of it is just, I think there's some some of what's happened has, has been a matter of just some gross incompetence. <coughs> DoorDash. Um, some of it is them trying to control us more. 
And some of it is, I think there's a legitimate need for them to do what they're doing. And, and so I think it just kind of depends on the different types of things, the different kinds of deactivations. I think what I find interesting is how they've changed a lot of the terminology lately. You know, I'm seeing some of these companies, they're, they're throwing around terms like fraudulent activity, and they're talking about contract violations. And it's all, this whole thing is a game, you know, it is a game with them. It is, they want to maintain being able to use independent contractors, but there's a line that they cannot cross when they use contractors. They cannot control the work. So they've got to phrase things just right to make it look like it is a contract relationship, even though it really turns out in a lot of cases, them just trying to control us. And so, so they come up with new terms and extremely late deliveries now are a contract violation or they even call it fraudulent activity. And so, you know, that's, well, let's talk about some of the different types of deactivations that I'm seeing going on. And I'd love to hear from you about any others that maybe I'm missing. Okay. Uh, leave a comment over on the related uh, blog post over at entrecourier.com slash 89. So the first type of deactivation that I saw a glut of lately was it really, I think it was just related to DoorDash incompetence and some of these mass deactivations and, and DoorDash has got, DoorDash has got issues, you know, they, they've got, and, and it's all tech issues. And I think it's all DoorDash trying to do things on the cheap. And so they rely on the computers, but they don't do a good job with how they set the computers up. And it just really messes things up from time to time. And recently we saw something that really kind of came out of that. And, and this is one of the things where I think it really is part of them trying to thin the herd. It was just watching this behavior by DoorDash in particular. And one thing that happened is all of a sudden I saw a lot of people that were reporting that they were deactivated for, and the reason given was they said it was r referral fraud or defrauding the referral system. You know, DoorDash pays out a referral fee if you get somebody to jump on and do deliveries. And, and I do think people do kind of um, take advantage of that. And, but what happened is you have people then that said they never got referred by, you know, they never referred anybody or the only referrals they ever did were very close friends or family, which is who this referral program is really intended to be for. And a lot of people though, what happens is they reported that uh, they appealed the, the deactivation and right away, you know, they were, oh, you know what, there was a mistake on our part or there was a glitch in the system or something like that. And they were reinstated. And this is just so DoorDash. There's a glitch in the system. But, you know, this is coupled with something else that I've seen going on. And that is that uh, there have also recently been a lot of people that are deactivated because their background check came back bad. Well, it was all on things that happened several years ago. And they've been through background checks before. And it's just weird, isn't it? That if it like, if it wasn't an issue when they signed on as drivers, how could that same thing be enough for them to get deactivated now? And that's where I kind of start getting this little conspiracy theory going, because what that tells me then is they've got to thin down the number of people there. And so they tighten the parameters and more than likely what they did was they ran their computers through, checked everybody's profiles, checked all the stuff on the background stuff. And then they found out some of the people that had some things that were just borderline and they decided, okay, we're going to run background checks on them again because we've got an excuse to deactivate them now. Like I said, I think that's just them trying to kind of thin down the number of drivers. I think it is short-sighted. I think it is something that they're trying to do to avoid 
some of the uh, controversy that comes with just saying, hey, we're just going to pa- you know, pause some of these folks or something like that. They've got to find some reason to say you did something wrong so they can get you off of the rolls, you know? Is there something about all this stuff about some of the employment stuff? You know, are they trying to kind of thin the herd so that if they have to go to employees, I don't know, you know, that, that, that all of that stuff is so weird. Uh, to me, there's, there's enough stuff about what they're doing that doesn't make sense. But like I said, DoorDash does crap on the cheap. They, you know, it's, it's part of the anatomy of being in the gig economy, really. You try and do things with as little labor costs as possible. You let the computers do as much as possible. The problem is DoorDash sucks when it comes to their computers. Door, ca- door crash Fridays, okay? Look at the fact that uh, I've got the same um, on-time rating. I've had the same exact on-time rating for at least six months now. It has not budged once. That's supposed to change with every delivery. You know, it, it, it goes up or down based on your last hundred. It is impossible for it to be exactly the same. Okay, let's say the odds are astronomical for it to be exactly the same over that much time. And, and it's just one of those things with the computers. Uh, you had people that were being deactivated for a little while because of um, their completion rating, even though their completion rating was never wrong. It was a glitch in the system. About a year ago, and I'll put a link in the show notes, um, there was another wave of deactivations. It was another glitch, but that time it involved people say, saying they had multiple accounts. When it turned out, guess what? They didn't. DoorDash, computers, screw up. It's just part of the anatomy, right? It's kind of interesting, though, that when I wrote that article, it was in August of last year. I mean, it was kind of around the same year, time of year. And that makes me wonder, do they just do like an annual purge? I don't know. I don't know. It's just, it's weird. Here's another thing that kind of pops up to me. This is the thing, I, I mentioned this earlier, the, the change in language. Back in about May or so, all of a sudden people started noticing there was another category that popped up in the driver rating section. That all of a sudden there was a little thing that popped up that it was like, you know, uh, it was tracking the number of reports of orders never arrived based on customer reports. Okay. Okay. Um, You know what? I think if people are not delivering, I get that. If it's a matter of customers reporting that the food never arrived, you know, the driver shouldn't be blamed for that or shouldn't lose their ability to deliver for that. If it's a matter that you're doing these contact deliveries and DoorDash is stupid enough to rely on GPS placement and get the addresses wrong and stuff like that, you know, but anyway, that that's, I'm, I'm getting off on a rabbit chase here and I don't want, I don't want to do that. I do that too often anyway, but lately they've changed the wording of it. Now that top section is called contract violations based on the last 100 delivery opportunities. Contract violations. You go from orders never arrived to contract violations. There's there's a huge change in the tone in that, isn't there? And there's a huge change in the implications. And basically what it's going is, it is going from, okay, the order didn't arrive. And there could be a lot of things involved with that. There, there could be a lot of mistakes. That's kind of implicit in that language. Then they say contract violations. It is squarely on your shoulders. That is very accusatory. And and that's the problem I've got with some of the ways that they're wording this is, is they're taking almost like a hostile stance with drivers over this, this stuff. And usually it's stuff that's their problem 
but they're putting it on your shoulders. Like I said, though, a lot of this language, it really, it it centers around this whole concept of using an independent contractor versus an employee. Because see, if DoorDash is controlling your work and you don't follow up with the way they want you to do things and they let you go, they can get in a lot of trouble because they're not allowed to control your work. But if they phrase it as a contract violation, even if it's not a contract violation, but if they phrase it as a contract violation, you've got to do the work now to try and prove that they were wrong. And and so they kind of figure, okay, that protects them legally. And so I don't know, you know, part of, I think part of the why they changed it to this now though, is that they can also add more issues to it because they are starting to crack down on extremely late deliveries. And some of those extremely late deliveries are showing up in that contract violations category. So they can add that to your contract violations. And for them, it's a paper trail to protect their ass. If somebody comes back and says they were wrongfully terminated or whatever. Of course, they're relying on the idea that DoorDash data could be relied on. And we already know that their statistics get screwed up all the time. And so, and, and sometimes that enters into people being deactivated. But anyway, it's, it's just, it's, it's a sham. The other thing that I'm seeing is late deliveries are now being called fraudulent activity by some. I posted in the blog post at entrecourier.com slash 89 I posted a couple of uh, letters that people got um, or emails that they received, uh, both of them accusing them of fraud in relationship to late deliveries. And so, you know, um, and there's ones by Uber Eats where they sent somebody and they said, hey, your recent trips have continued to take much longer than expected according to GPS estimates and the duration of other deliveries in your city. Delayed deliveries may indicate fraudulent activity. Intentionally delaying trips for fraudulent purposes violates the terms of the Portier Services Agreement. If we detect fraudulent activity on your Uber Eats delivery account, it may be deactivated. In the meantime, your profile is still active and you can continue to use the app. Interesting that they call it fraudulent activity, that being late now is fraudulent. How do you put those two together? You know, it violates. Here's the problem with it. Fraudulent activity violates the contract. And what they're doing is they're calling something that really isn't fraudulent. Well, maybe it is. I'll get into that in a second. Um, he calls something that really isn't fraudulent to call that fraudulent just so that you can say it violates the contract. You know, again, it's it's not right. I think it is an area where they're crossing the line. But, you know, and, and here's one that uh, Grubhub sent out and they said, now it's interesting. Grubhub does it two different ways. I have seen them do this with the actual account and I've seen them do this in relationship to being able to schedule blocks. And I don't know how they choose which is which, but you know, here's one that somebody got and they said, your account with Grubhub has been paused. We noticed activity on your account that is often linked to drivers engaging in fraud, including intentionally delaying the delivery of Grubhub orders that you have accepted. We have paused your account to investigate this issue. Please respond to this email if you have any relevant information or you would like to dispute this claim. You know, this time they were paused. But here's the deal. What What is the deal with fraud? How can you call this fraud? Um, now, I, w- I will say that maybe Uber Eats can make a case here. And, and the reason that I say that with Uber Eats and not with Grubhub is that on Uber Eats delivery, 
the actual time and actual distance can still factor into how much you're paid. If something happens that, you know, the wait at the restaurant is longer, if something happens that you you get delayed and everything like that, they do pay more. And I have, I've seen that, uh, you know, a number of times where something happened where the delivery was running later, it took longer to get the food and stuff like that. And the Uber Eats portion of the pay was higher than what they anticipated that it would be. And so because of that, I absolutely believe that fraud is possible and that fraud happens. I'm, I can tell you, I, I am sure just because, you know what, I've watched too many drivers over the two and a half years I've been doing this, that somebody figures that out. Somebody says, oh, hey, I can get paid a little bit more if I just kind of slow it down. Now, in my opinion, that's the stupidest thing you could do because what you get paid extra doesn't justify the extra time or the mileage expense that you do when you do that. So it's, it's idiotic to do that. It doesn't stop some people from doing that, though. And so, yeah, if, if you're taking longer so that you can get paid more, that is fraudulent. And so I think in that situation, Uber Eats could say, yes, it could happen. Grubhub, though, that's a different story. You don't get any more when it takes longer. You don't you don't get any kind of gain. There's nothing that you can get from Grubhub in return for taking longer or getting there later. You know, the only potential gain really is if you take another delivery on another platform that's going wherever. And because of that, you're really, really late on your Grubhub delivery as a result. And I do think that they're trying to crack down on that happening. But the problem is that's not expressly prohibited in the contract. So they can't say that it's about multi-apping. So what do they have to do? They have to call it fraud. They have to call it something that is in the contract, whether it is that or not. Grubhub knows that they can't prohibit multi-apping either. And there's a bit of a stretch for them to call it fraud. Now, here's the question. Is, is this, is this about, you know, I just mentioned working multiple apps and, uh, is it really more about them cracking down on multi-apping and is it something they can legally do with independent contractors? I don't know. There's, there's, there's a thin line here. I'm not sure I would go so far to say that they're doing it to target people that are multi-apping. My guess is that they're doing it because of the problems caused by some people that multi-app. Because the bottom line is you got some people that they'll take a delivery from Grubhub and they'll take a delivery from DoorDash and they don't give a crap that they're 10 miles apart from each other in opposite directions. They just think, oh, I'll make more money doing this. And people get their orders really late, you know, and, and it is a problem. And when people do do that, um, that's an issue. Well, it is a violation of your contract when you do that. Because here's the thing. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm so huge. You already know this if you listen to me. I'm huge about this whole thing about your rights as an independent contractor, right? But the thing is, I also make a strong point, and I've said this several times. When you accept a delivery, you make a commitment. When you accept a delivery, you make an agreement, and that agreement is to get to the food to the customer as quickly as you can get it to them, as, as quickly as you can reasonably get it to them, and in the best condition that you can reasonably get that to them. And if you take a delivery from another platform that sends you way out of the way, you have violated your agreement. And so in that sense, 
I think it's inappropriate. It is appropriate to crack down and to say, no, you can't, you can't get there late like that. But they can't legally say you cannot multi-app. And that's where it is. It's kind of this fuzzy math that they got to do, you know. But here's a problem that I've got with this whole issue when it comes to Grubhub. And, and I pick on Grubhub because they are absolutely the worst at this, and that's because of their dispatching. Grubhub will send you to a restaurant long before the food is ready. They will, if you're right by the restaurant, they will send you the order at the same time they send it to the restaurant. And they don't give a crap if you're stuck there waiting a half hour, 45 minutes. And I'm always finding that DoorDash is ready. I'm always finding Uber Eats is ready. When I was doing Postmates, as long as it wasn't an order and pay, the food was ready when I got there. I don't wait nearly as much with any of those platforms as I do with Grubhub. And with Grubhub, the waiting is, it's the rule rather than the exception, you know? And here's the thing I've noticed. I don't know if you've noticed this, if you deliver Grubhub. Have you noticed this kind of thing here where... Grubhub, sometimes they, they kick out this little thing where it used to be, you know, they'd, they'd give you, you know, get to the restaurant by a certain time. And all of a sudden, I've been noticing that there's nothing there. And when you click on the restaurant, it just simply says, go immediately to the restaurant. Well, here's the thing that I've noticed is every time I get that, every time since I started paying attention to this, Every freaking time that I get that particular message that says, go there right away, it shows up when the delivery has been sent to me at the same time that the customer placed the order. It is always that if I've got that offer given to me within a minute to two minutes, that's when I get that message. It says, go directly to the restaurant. Well, why do they do that? Because they know that if they post a time then, and it's going to be a half hour, they know that a lot of people and that includes me, are going to go out and do another delivery for somebody else. And they don't want that to happen. But here's the problem. When you say go directly to the restaurant, there's an implication that the food's going to be ready. And there's really kind of a contract there and there in that. You know, there's, there is a contract implied that if you take this order and now you see this thing says go immediately to the restaurant, that's implying that that food's going to be ready. And so if I get there and the food is not ready, Grubhub is the one that is in violation of the contract here. And in fact, I would say that in that situation, Grubhub is the one that is committing fraud. Grubhub is the one committing fraud because they are fraudulently dispatching me with this idea that, hey, the food's going to be ready. They give that implication and they're lying to me about that food being ready. So, you know, the crazy thing is, is that when Grubhub's doing this, the issue with fraud is not on the driver. The issue with fraud is on Grubhub. Want to know how I really feel about that? So anyway, those are some of the different types of app activate deactivations that are going on, some of the issues with them. I think, you know, the bottom line is I think some of them are legitimate. Some of them are because people are just dragging their feet and uh, they're not doing what they promised that they would do. And some of them are just incompetence on the part of the company. Some of it is just the company trying to control you rather than trying to fix their own mess, Grubhub. And so, I don't know. You know, here's the thing that I've seen, though, is how do you avoid these? What I have seen is it does seem like when there's been a glitch, especially with DoorDash, most people have been able to get reinstated pretty quickly. Otherwise, 
here are the things that I would tell you to do. First of all, do not give them any room to accuse you. When you take an order, get to the restaurant, get the food to the customer. You made an agreement to do that. Follow your agreement. If you follow your agreement, you're not likely to get deactivated, okay? Don't take multiple deliveries that take you significantly out of the way and that really slow down one or both of the deliveries that you accepted or three or four or five. I would go so far to say that if DoorDash or Grubhub or Uber Eats, if they stacked you with more than one delivery where it's just terribly inefficient because they do that, you might consider canceling out on one of those deliveries as well because we all get those, you know? I get, I had one one time, it was, it was you know, 100 degrees outside and I got it from an ice cream store and the two customers were 15 miles apart from each other in polar opposite directions. There's no way that second customer is getting that ice cream in any kind of good condition, even with a good, well-insulated bag. And so I canceled one of them just because there's, there's no way that I can get that to the customer as I agreed to do, even though Grubhub's the one that sent me both of those orders, you know, and it's just, that's one of those things that sometimes you have to kind of make the decisions yourself because they're not real good at making those decisions at times. So the bottom line is I don't accept a second delivery on another platform or even on the same platform, if it's going to really screw up the delivery that I already committed to. I'm going to treat those deliveries the same way, whether it's multi-platform or single platform. And so, you know, that. but that's the thing is, do your, do what you agreed to do, and you really take away a lot of the opportunities to get deactivated. Another step, another thing, piece of advice that I would offer you is you want to make sure you get into the right place when you're dropping off. Cause here's the problem, especially with a lot of people getting deactivated because customers are claiming that they didn't get the food. Now, sometimes the customers are lying. Sometimes the customer's not lying. They did not get the food, but the courier delivered the food where they were told to deliver it. Cause what happens it, have you guys had any, you, I'm sure you had, if you've delivered much, you've had this happen, haven't you? Where you get, you get the address and you go to the address and it's like, no, we didn't order food. And it turns out it's somebody next door. And why does that happen? Because, you know, they used uh, the GPS feature. It is stupid. It is asinine for these companies to offer that feature when it comes to ordering food, when you got a precise address. And it's even more asinine for them to do that when, you have so many contact-free deliveries because now you take the food to where they say to go and you leave it on the porch like they say. You send your text, you take your picture, and off you go. And guess what? If they use the GPS, if the address was wrong, whatever, sometimes the customer didn't pay attention on the address and sometimes they didn't even know the address or something like that. You know, if they're staying at an Airbnb, I, anyway... So there are times where I'm kind of like, I'm not sure this is necessarily the right address. If I've got any question, any thought at all, I'm going to call the customer and I'm going to say, hey, I just want to confirm this is the address they gave me. And I'm right there. I want to make sure I'm saying it to the right place. And it is this, you know, brick house with the blue awning or whatever. And, and so there are times that I just want to make sure that I've got the right place. Another thing you can do is be more selective on what offers you do take. You know, um, my experience is that deliveries that seem to get you in trouble are the ones that they pay lower and they pay lower because there's no tip. And usually, and here's the thing, sometimes when somebody doesn't tip, they just can't. Sometimes when somebody doesn't leave a tip, it's because they plan to tip in cash. You know, where I'm talking about is tipping through the app. 
And too often, they don't give a damn whether or not it's going to impact you, whatever they do. And it could be that they're trying to get you free food. It could be that you're going to get somebody. It it seems like the people that don't tip or they tip very little are also the ones that are going to be more likely to be hypercritical. They're going to complain. And to me, I just find that a very low paying offer is a red flag for something that could be trouble. And, And that's why I think you really want to think twice about taking all of those really low paying offers. That's one reason why. I think there's a lot of reasons why. Another thing you can do, communicate and document. Is the restaurant slow? Communicate. Is the traffic in the way? Communicate. Did you get a double order from the company and once you got to drop the other one off first? Communicate. Are there issues with the instructions that they gave you and you're having trouble finding the place? Communicate. As long as you're communicating, letting them know what's going on. And what I really recommend you do is if, if and when you do, it's not with a phone call, it's with a text. Because when you send a text, you've got a record of it. And I've had times, I had one time I got to the customer's place. There's no entry code. There's nothing. I try calling. The phone number is, the phone number took me to some office in Atlanta. And I got this voicemail and it was the main phone number for some place in Atlanta. I'm in Denver. And so I sent them a text. I knew that they're not going to get that text. The number's bad. That number, if, if. If I'm calling that number and it's taking me to a Atlanta business office, there is no way that text is getting to the customer. I know that, but I'm still sending them a text. And here's why. Because I can't get through to the customer and I just say, hey, look, I tried calling your number. It took me to ABC company in Atlanta. I cannot get through to you. I don't know where to go. This is where I'm going to have to leave the food. And even though the customer's not going to see it, what I have done there is I've created a kind of a digital paper trail. Okay. I've created something that if there is an issue with that, then I'm covered. Okay. And that's why I say, if you communicate, do it by text, even if you don't think it's going to get through to them, because you still have a record on your end that you sent that text. If you're on Uber Eats and you use the messenger Take screenshots of whatever you send them there. Document what's happening. Now, the beautiful thing, one thing that, you know, DoorDash did do one thing right. And that is if you're stuck waiting now at the restaurant, they ask you why. And so you can actually click on the different reasons, what's going on. Having trouble getting in touch, getting the attention of the uh, people there. Is the food not ready? Have they not started the food? You know, what are the different reasons that you're still waiting. And so you can do that and it kind of creates a little bit of a paper trail. So if things are running late, you've got a way to kind of cover yourself. Document, document, document. And here's the other thing that I would tell you is have a backup plan. Never, ever, ever rely on just one company ever. Here's the deal. Even if you prefer to deliver for only one, you're just more comfortable that way. That's the only way you really want to work is just doing one delivery company, get signed up, Get on board with somebody else because if anything happens, you've got a backup. Do at least enough deliveries just to make sure, even if it's just like pulling out a delivery maybe every three or four weeks, just to make sure that you're still, you know, good with them or something like that. Get signed up with somebody else because there are times that something happens out of your control and you want to have something that you can pivot to and pivot to quickly. 
It's also brilliant if you're on DoorDash to be on something else because the app crashes all the time and you want to be ready for that. If you're thinking of signing up for someone else, give, shoot me an email. Uh, email me, ron at entrecourier.com. And you know, let me know that you're thinking about that because I can walk you through some options. Uh, I've got some referral options that could help you out as well. And a lot of times there's some bonuses with it. If I get paid for a referral, I'm glad to you know, do something to split that up with you if you complete what needs to be done with that. So get in touch with me. And if there's something that I can do or something I can point you to, um, I can help you out there. Okay. Now here's the last question. And that is what happens if you are deactivated, you got to respond and you got to respond quickly, get back to them right away. Be professional, be polite. Don't cuss them out. Don't, don't get accusatory or anything like that. Be professional, approach the response from their viewpoint. Hey, I see why this would be a problem for you, but this is not what I did. And this is why, you know, get back to them quickly though. And here's the problem. Sometimes they don't tell you what your violation is. We just noticed some things that look like it could be fraud. So we, we've paused while we investigate it. That's crap. You know, that is crap when they do that because they tell you, Hey, you did something wrong, but we're not going to tell you what you did wrong. So you can't answer to that. And Oh, by the way, if you got any information that might help us with this investigation, let us know. But Oh, by the way, we're not telling you what you did wrong. That is a bunch of crap. And that's the kind of thing that I think, man, you know what? If you challenge them in court with something like that, there, there's no way they could stand up. I would not think anyway. I wish I was more of a lawyer to be able to say for sure. But the problem is, you know, is it worth going to court over stuff like that? And what can you do? I don't know. But anyway, we'll get to that in just a minute. But the hard thing with all these companies is there's no longer somebody that you can just go to in order to just get it right, you know, to get it fixed. And so... Really, the closest thing to an alternative right now is Uber Eats and their Greenlight Hubs. DoorDash, they give you a link and you appeal there. And it just says, send us information that might, you don't even know what you did wrong half the time. And so how do you, how do you appeal? How do you answer to an accusation that you don't know what the accusation is? Grubhub, you can reply to the email. And like the person that I mentioned above that got the little mess, message from Grubhub, he just responded to the email. And, uh, there's also a form. I'll have a link in the show notes and up on the uh, associated blog page that Grubhub actually did come up with this form that, uh, you can really go to for just about any kind of issue. And depending on how well they respond to it could actually be pretty helpful. And is probably the approach that they're doing. What they're doing is they're bringing all their specialists together, more like in a team. And it's, it's almost like a call center. You know, you submit the request in the form and then they just send it to the next available person. They work on that particular request and they move on to the next one. That might actually be more effective than relying on a driver specialist who is just extremely overwhelmed, you know? And so maybe that's a good thing, but you know, you can kind of respond to them. And, but you know, that is the thing is that they're moving away from this driver specialist model where you used to have a person that you could talk to when there was an issue like that. Now, here's the thing. When you respond, if you know what it was that prompted that incident, you want to go back to that incident and you want to think about everything that you think might've happened. And when you respond, just provide, Hey, this is what happened. I think that this might be related to this delivery from such and such a place. And the restaurant was extremely late. And I did contact the customer, say, Hey, we're going to run late. Here's a screenshot of that text that I sent them with the timestamp on it and everything like that. 
and you know, you've got your documentation. If you've got that anytime, that's, that's why I say document. If you think anything could be used document, here's a beautiful thing that you can use. Um, anytime on deliveries, if you use Google maps at all, you can go into your timeline and you can see just where you were at a particular time. And it's more documentation, you know? So if you got stuff that shows that you did not commit fraud or whatever they accuse you of, then provide whatever documentation that is, but provide it in a professional manner. And it's like this, you know, the guy that got the Grubhub pause there, you know, he responded and he basically said, Hey, I'm disputing this because I just know that. And I apologize for the dogs. I've got a little sign on my wall. that says ring the doorbell and let me sing the, let me sing you the song of my people signed the dog. Well, my dogs in the background are singing the song of their people right now. Uh, hopefully it's not too loud here on this. This mic's pretty good at, at keeping out most of that. I hope it is. But anyway, you know, his, his response was, hey, I'm disputing this because I just know that I would never intentionally make an order late. My time is just too important. And so is my business relationship with you. So please, could you let me know, though, what might have indicated what I was doing so that I can know what to look for? Now, right away, that person was reactivated within hours. And, but the response to the request was just interesting. It says, please be aware that if we receive more reports of negligence and or unprofessional conduct in the future, it may affect your ability to continue to partner with us. He replied to that and asked for details, said, Hey, I, I, I get that, but I don't understand what it was that was negligent or unprofessional. Could you let me know? No response. That's a problem. That is a problem right there because the contracts say that when they accuse you of something, they got to show you, they got to tell you what it is. And especially when they deactivate you for something. But you know, the thing is, if they don't tell you what it is that prompted their accusation, it's just a blanket statement. Then what you've got to do is you've got to reply and you've got to ask them, could you please tell me what it is? Could you please let me know what it was that was in violation of the contract? I need to know the specifics so that I know what not to do again. They have to let you know what is prompting that action when they deactivate you. But, you know, and this is the thing that I kind of leads me into this gray area. And usually I'm pretty firm about saying, hey, this is what you can do. This is what you should do. And I try and research it. And I try and find stuff. This is an area that I still just don't know enough about. And that is the question is, what's your legal recourse? What can you do in response to that? I'm going to ask you, if you're listening, are you a lawyer that works in this area? Do you know a lawyer that works in this area? I would love to find somebody who really knows this side of things that I can talk to. I'd love to get you on the podcast or whoever it is, uh, just to be able to provide some resources and some ideas of what can people do when this kind of crap happens. And especially when the deactivation happens without cause, without reason, and without due process, and without these companies letting you know what you did. You know, they can't do that. All right. But what can you do about it? And that's the hard one for me to know. The problem I've got here, when I talk about, you know, getting a lawyer, I do know that you can probably get to some of these law firms that, um, they kind of make their living going after gig economy companies and, and filing lawsuits based on misclassification of employees. You know, it's this whole, employee versus independent contractor thing. And their approach is basically to sue these companies and say, Hey, you owe money for wages that should have been paid because you misclassified these contractors. And the bottom line is when they control your work and when they tell you what to do, they do misclassify you. Here's the problem. I don't like going that route. And because 
I am not a fan of this push to get us to be classified as employees because I don't want to be an employee. I don't want to push us into that. And that's where I'm a little concerned about jumping on this bandwagon with some of these law firms about the whole misclassification thing. Here's my feeling. Grubhub, DoorDash, Uber Eats, these companies, they're bullies. They cross the line all the time. This whole deactivation thing, it's all a thing to intimidate contractors into being compliant. But that said, there's got to be a way to enforce that line between contractor and employee without requiring us to be employees. And that's, that's, that's the thing I want to explore. How can you hold their feet to the fire legally without going this whole misclassification route? I mean, isn't there a way? Here's, here's the thing that happened in California is California went after this AB5 saying these guys have crossed the line too much, and I think they have. But, you know, so what we've got to do is we've got to force them now to hire employees. I don't think that's the way you have to go. I, what, what is wrong with saying, let's just enforce that relationship, you know, let's just enforce that part where they're not controlling and everything. Can't you do that and still keep that independent contractor relationship? So I don't know, what's the best way to go with that in mind? Is it through, you know, do you go to arbitration? Uh, What do you do when there's no due process? You know, and and do you join a class action suit? Are there any class action suits that don't have to do with trying to force people to be hired as employees? And I don't know, maybe the misclassification angle is the one to go through because honestly, that's the one threat that is kind of beating these companies back into submission when they've crossed the line. When DoorDash was requiring acceptance rates, it was basically a settlement in a class action lawsuit that made them say, hey, we're going to change the way we do something. So maybe that's the way you have to go. I don't know. So I'd love to find out if somebody is really good at explaining the best ways for people to handle this. But especially maybe, is there a good legal way to handle a deactivation without all the time that is involved with misclassification? If somebody is real good at walking people through, how do you handle arbitration or whatever it is? Here's the bottom line as I kind of wrap this up today. You're not an employee. This is the thing that a lot of people forget. This is the thing that I think, I think this is a lot of the reason for the deactivations. It's a shot across the bow to say, you better behave. And so people get scared of possible deactivation. They start acting like employees, but you've got rights. They gave you those rights when they inserted the words independent contractor into your contract. And one of the rights you have is to make decisions based on how they're doing things. And sometimes maybe that decision is to say, screw it. I'm done with these guys. And, you know, here's, here's one thing that I've been doing with Grubhub lately is this whole thing about how they want you at the restaurant right right away. And they're going to start threatening people because they don't go to the restaurant right away, but you get there and the food's not ready for a half hour. You know what? My minimum price for Grubhub has gone up. I do not take, um, I, I don't take a Grubhub order. Uh, hardly ever anymore, it seems like, um, unless it's going to pay really, really well because there's too much of a possibility I'm going to be stuck waiting. And so I've got to compensate for that time. I've got to get paid enough to compensate for that wait time. And ultimately, it just means I'm less likely to deliver for Grubhub. There's alternatives. You get to make choices. You can move to other platforms like I talked about. Courier Nation, make your own business decisions and do not let these companies bully you into their decisions. And that's the thing, folks. 
That's the thing. This is what I'm all about is helping you understand you're not an employee. So you make your decisions. You take control. And and don't get so freaked out about other people that are getting deactivated. If you do what you agree to do and you just kind of, you know, mind your P's and Q's, document, all that stuff, more often than not, you're going to be fine. And if a company is shady enough to deactivate you and when you did everything right, you know, maybe it's time to move on to somebody else anyway. I don't know. But folks, here's the thing that I really encourage you to do is just take control, run your business, be the boss. 